0: We, we've been talking about in his service. We've been um, using this as a theme and serving in our giftedness. As we, are, as we look today, we do want to think of serving in our giftedness as it relates to evangelism. Uh, in February 1994, our Daily Bread printed a story of the world-famous violinist Fritz Chrysler. Chrysler, Chrysler, Chrysler. Chrysler earned a fortune with his concerts and compositions. But generously, he gave most of his fortune away. One day, he was on a trip and he discovered this exquisite violin. Once he discovered his violin, he had a desire to purchase it, but because he had given much of his Fortune way he could not afford it at that time well after saving money uh, he was able he went to see if he could ask to purchase the violin uh, once he got to the seller to his dismay the seller had already sold it to a collector Kressler found out that the where the uh, collector lived and he paid him a visit hoping to purchase the violin from him. The collector shared that this violin had become his most prized possession and that he had no interest in selling the violin. Disappointed, obviously, Kressler was about to leave when he thought... Let me just ask if I can play it one more time. So he asked the owner of this violin if he could play it one more time before it's consigned to silence. Permission was granted and he began to fill the room with the sound of this violin. He filled the room in such a way, in such a heart-moving way, that the collector's emotions were stirred. And they were stirred to the point to where he looked at Kressler and said, I have no right to keep this violin to myself. It's yours, Mr. Kressler. Take it into the world and let the people hear it. (laughs) Folks, if we have indeed been born again, if we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, then we have received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if this has occurred in our hearts, we have experienced the joy, peace, hope, and love that the world can't give. It's greater than anything we ever experienced prior to salvation. And we have no right to keep it to ourselves. We're commanded to go out into the world and share About this gift we've been given. I wonder if this is what was on Paul's mind. As he wrote to the Roman believers. He says this in verses 14 and 15. In chapter 1 he says. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to barbarians. Both to wise and unwise. So as much as is in me. I am ready to preach the gospel. To you who are in Rome also. This is God's holy word. Pray with us. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the command that you've given us. We thank you for this gift that you have placed in us. That it is so precious and so life transforming that, that God, we are not to keep it for ourselves, but we are to share it with others. And the more that we share it, the more we experience it in our lives so God help us help us God to be about your business help us God to proclaim the gospel of Jesus to this lost and dying world and God if there's one here today who doesn't know you through your son Jesus Christ I pray that today that they would hear the gospel that they would receive the gospel and that they would begin sharing the gospel and God, we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we've shared that, that a body of believers must have five clear distinctive purposes to function as a New Testament church. Whenever we join a body of believers, part of joining is committing to partner with that church or with that body to reach its purposes. In the past two weeks, we have shared the the need to serve in our giftedness to accomplish two of the purposes. We've talked about worship, and we've talked about missions. While everyone does not have the giftedness to serve In worship, all of us are to worship the Lord. Those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are to worship. We not be able to lead worship, but we are to worship. And if you have the giftedness to lead worship or to serve in worship, we want to encourage you to do that. Um, And if we're honest, if we're honest, we all have gifts to where we can serve in ministry or missions now while we would encourage you to we understand everyone is not going out on the mission field everyone's not going to go with the mission on a mission trip somewhere whether it's out of country or out of state but your home your family your community your schools your place of business should serve as your mission field You should use your gifts in those places to minister to the needs of others. And today I want to ask do you know that you have the giftedness to evangelize? You didn't know that? No one's one's helping me. You didn't know you have the giftedness to evangelize? Paul helps us to understand what it takes for evangelism. The Apostle Paul has a desire to go to Rome, but it seemed that with this desire he was always hindered to reach his destination. Some have said he wanted wanted them to partner with him as he attempted to reach Spain and other regions for Christ. This would mean that the church in Rome would become Paul's home base or his home church. And if this church in Rome would become his home base, then they would need to know something about him. They would need to become very familiar with Paul. They would need to know his name, his mission, his love. So he wrote to them this remarkable letter uh, explaining to them the gospel as he understood it and how he had preached it. And in this text, what Paul helps us to see is that to evangelize, it takes passion. When we look here, Paul says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise another word for debtor in this passage would mean obligated Amen. paul is saying that he was obligated to the greeks and barbarians to the wise and the unwise another way to say this is that paul was obligated to all men all women all boys all girls without distinction of of nation or culture paul believed that he owed them his life because of the grace that had been bestowed upon him. Now, we all remember Paul's story. As the church was bursting on the scene, the first introduction of Paul that we have is that he stood by and held coats of of men who stoned Stephen to death. Stephen was a believer of Jesus Christ, a man, the Bible says, that was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Paul went, uh, who, who went by the name of Saul at this time, did not just stand by and hold the coats, but the Bible says he consented to it. In other words, he approved of these men executing Stephen. Paul was so zealous for the law of Moses. Let me stop right there. Paul was zealous for the law of Moses. Listen folks we're zealous for a lot of things. We're zealous to teach our Sunday school class. We're zealous to preach in pulpits. We're zealous to sing in choirs. We're zealous to to play musical instruments when we're gifted. We're zealous of a lot of things that pertain to church but more than being zealous for any of those things we need to be zealous for Jesus Christ. We don't come to church to preach. We don't come to to teach. We don't come to church to sing or to play instruments. We come to church to worship the Lord. So we must be zealous for him first and foremost. That was Paul's mistake. He was zealous for the Old Testament scriptures where he should have been zealous for Jesus Christ. Yes, he was zealous for the law of Moses that watching a Christian die for what he would call blasphemy ignited a passion in Paul. The passion was that he was on a mission to destroy the church. So Paul, Paul went to the high priest and he requested letters. And he received letters that if he found anyone in Damascus who was of the way. At this time, believers weren't called Christians. They were called people of the way. And people of the way simply meant that they were following the way of Jesus Christ. Anyone who was a follower of Christ, he would bring them bound back to Jerusalem. But it was on this Damascus road (laughs) that Paul's life was changed. There he met the risen Savior. There on that road he met Jesus. During this encounter with Jesus and the events that followed, Paul began to understand the grace of God, that he knew that he was able to find throughout those Old Testament scriptures that he had read so much and had studied so much. He he realized that he was on a road that would lead him to destruction. But Jesus stepped in, got in his way, and placed him on a road to eternal life life. From that point forward Paul was a, had a new purpose and a new passion. His life would be set apart from his old life. No longer would he be a persecutor of the church but he would now become the preacher of the gospel to the Gentiles. At one time he was obligated to hold up the standard of the law of Moses but now he is obligated to call to hold up Jesus Christ and the gospel that will change your life. He was obligated to share with anyone who would hear the gospel message. He was compelled to preach the gospel. He was filled with passion to preach the gospel. First Corinthians 9 and 16, Paul said, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. So for those of us who are saved, those of us who have been born again, Those of us who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Whose name's been recorded in the Lamb's book of life. (laughs) You know, I I can't say where you were before you experienced salvation. I can't say how deep in sin you may have been. (laughs) I can't even say how miserable your life was. Before salvation, because it may not have been miserable. The Bible teaches us that there's pleasure in sin for a season. But what I can say is that we were all on a road to destruction. The road that we were on would lead to a place of everlasting fire and brimstone. The road that we were on would lead to a place absent of the presence of God. The road that we were on would lead us to a place that we call hell. But Jesus stepped in our way. He revealed himself to us. And when we exercised our faith in him, when we believed in him and confessed him with our mouth, He saved us and he placed us on a new road. Get this. You didn't get on a new road. You didn't find yourself on a new road. He placed you on a new road at salvation. He placed us on a road to everlasting life. A road filled with joy, peace, hope, and love. You know... (laughs) <laughs> if that be the case, when we realize where he's brought us from, where he stopped us from going, while on the road that he has put us on now, we should be passionate. <laughs> As we're walking through this life, on this road, headed toward eternity. And you know, that's what we're doing. Those of us who are saved, we're walking a road headed toward eternity. Yeah. You know, we should be passionate. We should feel obligated about evangelism by sharing the gospel with, with whomever we come in contact with, in our families, with our friends, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces. We should be passionate to evangelize by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the grocery store, in restaurants, in shops. While we're out shopping, we should be passionate about evangelizing yes. by sharing the gospel. Paul said, Paul reveals here in this passage that it takes passion. You will not evangelize if you're not passionate about what he has done for you. If you say, well, preacher, I can't do it. Well, you're not passionate enough. Because he wants to do it through you. All he wants you to do is be a willing vessel. Oh, I love the Lord. I didn't say you didn't. But are you passionate for it? Do you have a zeal for him? Enough the word. Whoever you come in contact with, who's lost and on their way to a demon's hell, that you want them to know about this man who changed your life around? If that doesn't concern us, then we have no zeal Amen. for the gospel. We have no zeal. To see other people saved. It doesn't mean we don't love the Lord. It just means we have no zeal for him. We're not passionate. And we can't evangelize without passion. But when we have passion, (laughs) there's nothing that should stop us from evangelizing. Yeah, Paul reveals this to us. He said, I am a debtor. So he, he was passionate about this. And while evangelism takes passion, to evangelize we must be prepared. Paul was a debtor to both the Greeks, the barbarians, to the wise and the unwise. He was obligated to whosoever will. So he said because he's obligated with as much as is within him, He said he is ready to preach the gospel. That word here, ready, can be interpreted eager. In other words, Paul's obligations to proclaim the gospel to the world was not a burden to him. Instead, he was eager to preach to those in Rome. The apostle Paul experienced that the gospel in Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation to the Jews and the Greeks. He experienced this power. He saw it at work. And because of that, he was eager to share the gospel. (laughs) I'm convinced that when the truth of the gospel is clearly revealed to us, that we will not be ashamed. But we will be ready. We will be eager. We will be prepared to share the gospel. That means that. If we by faith believe what the Bible says about Jesus, if we believe that he is the eternal Son of God, if we believe that he was born a virgin, if we believe that he lived a sinless life, and if we believe that he gave his life as a sacrifice through death on through the death of the cross, if we believe that on the third day he rose from the dead, if we believe he's coming back and we're willing to confess him as Lord and Savior, then we shall be saved. If we believe this, we're believing. The gospel. Amen. Amen. But what's the power of the gospel? That may be the question. Well, the power of the gospel is that when we are saved, we have been delivered from the penalty of sin. It doesn't matter what you do for God, you can't do enough to be delivered from the penalty of sin. Only the gospel has the power to deliver us from the penalty of sin. Because Jesus died for us. He died instead of us. In other words, he died on our behalf. The power of the gospel, It gives us assurance that we will live forever, that we will forever be with the Lord, that we, we have assurance of a heavenly home. I don't know where you stand, but I'm not hoping that I get to heaven. I know without a shadow of a doubt, as long as there's breath in me, I know that when breath is no longer in me, heaven is my home. Amen. There's too many Christians that are living in this life without that assurance. It doesn't mean you can live any kind of way you want. A Christian won't live any other way but except the way Jesus wants them to live. Oh, we'll fall. But we'll get up. The Christian life is up and down. Some days we're, we're honoring him well. Some days we're honoring him poorly. It's up and down. But the Christian life is not in and out. You don't get saved and you're no longer saved. You may be you may be a backslider, but if you've ever had your name recorded, God has enough sense to know whether or not you truly accepted him as your Savior. You and I don't know who's saved but I know that I'm saved and I can tell a tree by the fruit it bears but God's the judge and he's going to separate the tare and the wheat at the judgment day the power of the gospel is that it will give you assurance that heaven is your home The power of the gospel, it removes the barrier that exists between a holy God and us. I don't have to go to somebody else and ask them to pray for me. I can call out to God myself. And so can you. (laughs) So can you. It's good to have a family, a body of believers who are praying together, praying for one another. I encourage that. We should intercede on others' behalf. But no, if you know Jesus, you can go to him. He loves you as much as he loves anyone else. Yes, the power of the gospel is that we can boldly come to his throne. Make our petitions known and know that he hears us and he answers us. The power of the gospel, it reconciles us to God, redeeming us from the curse of the law. The power of the gospel makes us justified before God. I didn't get justified, he made me justified. Amen. He created me into a new creation. I don't understand it. It took place in a matter of moments. He didn't start all over with me. He just changed things about me. I no longer want to do the things I used to want to do. And even when I find myself doing those very things, I'm broken because I broke the heart of God. Paul said, the very things I know not to do are the things I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man am I, wretched man am I. Who, who can deliver me from this robe of flesh? The power of the gospel delivers us from this robe of flesh. It only makes sense that Paul was ready to preach the gospel. And he had experienced the power of it. He was prepared to preach it because of the power of the gospel. A.B. Simpson, Canadian preacher and theologian author, and founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance is reported to have said this about the gospel it said the gospel tells rebellious men that God is reconciled to them the gospel tells us that justice is satisfied the gospel tells us that sin has been atoned for the gospel tells us that judgment that the judgment of the guilty may be revoked, the condemnation of the sinner counseled, the, the curse of the law blotted out, the gates of hell closed, the portals of heaven opened wide, the power of sin subdued, the guilty conscience healed, the broken heart comforted, the sorrow and misery of the fallen undone. You know... <laughs> The power of the gospel is, I know how wretched I am, but when God sees me, it's as if I've never sinned. (laughs) The power of the gospel. We glory in nothing other than Christ and him crucified. It's because of the gospel that we have hope, love, joy, and peace. What does this mean for us? Well, we should be ready. We should be ready. We should be prepared to proclaim the gospel to anyone we come in contact with. Paul told Timothy to be ready, to be prepared in season and out of season to proclaim the gospel. So I want to ask, have you experienced the life-changing power of the gospel? If you have, are you ready? Are you prepared to share the gospel with this world that's around you? we're God's not taking us out of this world this sinful place for a reason and it's so that while we're here we'll share the gospel let me ask it this way do you have a zeal for Jesus what I mean is do you love him enough that you love the gospel and that you live the gospel and that you share the gospel when you see those who are lost, do you see someone you want to avoid, or do you see a lost soul traveling the wrong road, needing to experience the power of the gospel to change their lives so that they their life can be changed forever and they can walk on a new road? If that's what you see, you're ready to share the gospel i've shared this before. And I I, I I genuinely don't want this to come across mean. I'm 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 not mean spirited as I said, so ever how it comes across, if it doesn't come across gentle and lovingly, forgive me. <laughs> when we meet someone who's in trouble, someone under conviction, someone who's experiencing a battle within. Someone that you can talk with just for a little while and you notice the Holy Spirit is calling them into salvation. But the enemy is telling them you can't serve the Lord. Please don't invite them to church first. Don't just give them my number first or the number of another preacher first. Now, I'm talking to those who've been born again, who've experienced Jesus Christ and his life-transforming gospel. Don't do that first. Because the chances of them calling someone when you walk away is very slim. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. Ask them, are they ready to surrender their lives to Jesus? Believing in him and confessing with their mouth. And then after then, no matter the reply, if they say yes, then worship with them, praise with them that that they've been saved. If they say no, then you can give them my number. Then you can give them another preacher's number. Then you can invite them to church. But make them make a decision right then and there. Because it may be that you need to plant the seed before somebody else waters and God gives the increase. But if the seed isn't planted, chances are it won't get watered. And we can't expect an increase from something that's not been planted. Always, you find yourself in that situation with someone, share the gospel, and then invite them to church. There may be someone who's here today that's in this exact battle. Right now, the Holy Spirit's calling you to salvation, but the enemy is telling you you'll lose friends. They may be telling you you won't be able to do what you've been doing they may, he may be even telling you that people will doubt you. They won't believe it's real. The truth is, some friends just might walk away. You have to ask, were they really your friend anyway? But what I do know is Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And he'll give you a new family. He'll give you new friends. It's not that you... Don't do the things you are doing, but you just won't want to do some of the things you're doing. Your want-tos will change. You'll find that these are things that I just don't want to do anymore. We have the misconception that salvation is based on a set of rules. But salvation is not based on rules. Salvation is based on relationship. And then God begins to mold you and shape you and form you into what he would have. And there's some things you'll just just give away. Some things you'll just turn your life away from. Some things that happen instantly. Sometimes it'll happen down the road. But if you just submit your life to Christ, he'll take care of all of that for you. And yes, there may be some people, even some church people, who may doubt you. But there will be as many or more that will encourage you. And this church will worship with you. We'll, We'll praise the Lord with you. We want to encourage you. This, I know, is if you surrender your life to Jesus, he will shower you with his love. He will set you on a road to everlasting life. And you will experience peace, hope, joy, and a love. The world cannot give. And the world cannot take away. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As they're preparing for this invitation, I want to ask you who are lost, you who don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, are you ready to surrender your life? Are you willing right now? If you are, would you pray with me as the church is praying? Would you just pray with me? God, I am a sinner. I've rebelled against you and your word. And God, as long as I'm doing things my own way, I'll keep rebelling. I'll continue to be a sinner. But God, I believe your son came to this world. I believe he died for my sin so that I can be a child of God. I believe he rose on the third day to give me hope and assurance of a better tomorrow. God, right now, I believe In Jesus. He's your son. He died on a cross. And he rose on the third day. And I surrender my life to him. I confess him right now. As my Lord and Savior. God thank you. For loving me. In the midst of my sin. Thank you. For calling me though I don't deserve it. Thank you for saving me. Help me, God, to praise you from this day forward. Make my heart new. In Jesus' name. You know, I, I believe with all that's in me, if you prayed this prayer and you sincerely meant it, then you are saved. Amen. But it's not enough for me to believe it. Me believing it doesn't make the difference in your life. You have to believe it. If you believe that you've confessed Jesus as your Savior and the day you were saved, as they sing this song, as the church is praying right now, would you come and just tell me that you've been saved, that today you've been made new,